is the Unknown Planet Podcast, Episode 13, Developing Doers of Mathematics. I am your host, Joel Amadon, and I hope this recording finds you well. Thank you for taking the time and effort to seek out this podcast and listen. I know there are many choices out there and that your time is valuable, so let's just dive in. So this episode of the podcast doesn't feature a book. It actually features another podcast. So a while ago, I heard an episode of the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast, and he was talking about the pitfalls of leadership. And I heard that podcast as I was on my, I believe it was an elliptical machine at the time, and I started grabbing some pen and a paper, and I wrote out some notes, and and I, I wrote I wrote a little blog post, but that was a few years ago. But I really think that the content for it is appropriate to bring Brack up, and I'm excited to have the conversation. And I was trying to think, hmm, who to have a conversation with? And then I thought, you know what? There's someone in my house I could have a conversation with. And that's my son, Noah Amadon. Noah, thank you for joining me on this podcast. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. That's great. And yes, uh, Noah is here willingly. I uh, did not threaten him to come on the podcast. He uh, he's actually uh, wants to talk about this content, so I'm, I'm excited. And one thing about Noah that is really good and I, I really appreciate about him is that he's willing to share his opinion. So we're, we're hoping he flexes that muscle during this uh, episode as we talk about developing doers of mathematics. Now, Noah, you know I used to be a high school math teacher, right? Yes. Okay, so I... One thing that got me thinking about this content was a situation that happened where there was an investigation we had. So not just like I wasn't just showing like showing an algorithm or showing a procedure and then kids were doing it. We actually were doing um, like a problem scenario. So it was in context. So it might have been like the, you know, we're selling tickets or they're trying to stock shoes in a shoe store, something like that. Some real life situation where when the kids were doing the exercise, so kids, they were your age, um, teenagers, when we're doing the investigation, there was one little hiccup that they would have, right? Yeah. One little hiccup that I knew was coming. And, ra- and so what I did is I knew the hiccup was coming. When I saw a group was getting there, because they worked in groups, when a group was getting there, I'd run to the group. Actually, I'd have a little chair. I scooted to the group, and I'd say, hey, you see that? Well, you might want to think about this and this. And then I saw another group going to do it, and I scoot over there, and I'm all over the place, and like, woof, smoothed it all out. Like, let them have smooth sailing, right? Showed them where that hiccup was. They cruised right past it, and I saved the day. But you know what the problem was? What? The next time, uh, the next problem, when there was something else that came up, they raised all their hands again. They didn't know what to do. Right. Everything that I had shown them on the first one, I showed them not how to solve the problem. I showed them that I would help them. I would save them. And that's not what I wanted to teach. Right? I wanted right. to teach them math, not just to lean on me as the ultimate giver of math. And so rather than saving the day, like what this, this little story is an illustration of a pitfall, a pitfall of leadership okay so in the podcast that i was listening to uh by craig grishel it talked about the pitfalls of leadership and there's four of them that he went through and so i just translated that into four pitfalls of developing doers of mathematics right so as your parent i want you to be a doer of mathematics so what do you think a doer of mathematics is um i guess i believe that a doer of mathematics is someone who 
enjoy, for one, enjoys doing math, and two, is probably proficient in it. Wow. He did not. That's right off the cuff. I did not prepare him. That's See? Good good on the podcast. So, you're talking about disposition, right? Okay. So, have a positive disposition towards mathematics. And then being proficient in it. And so, I would say, and I'm pointing to a poster I have on the wall, having a functional relationship with mathematics. And I, I think there's other relationships you can have, but that's pretty good. So, being a doer of mathematics would have at least those two things. And that's good. So... In developing doers of mathematics, in thinking about how do we use leadership, and like, and again, I'm kind of equating, and I wonder what you think about this: leadership and teaching. Okay, can I can I make the argument and then see if you can poke holes in it? Sure. Okay, so leadership, as John Maxwell would say, is about influencing people, right? You're leading them. You're trying to influence them to do something. Okay. Okay. Now. Teaching is about influencing them to have a relationship with some content, right? So you have teachers right now, mm-hmm. and they're, you come into the room, and they're trying to lead you in order, order to learn this stuff, right? And so trying to influence you to have that to relationship with French, uh, algebra, biology, orchestra, whatever other content you're in, acting, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. What do you think? Do you, do you buy that? Um, yeah, I think influencing is good in the importance of teaching mathematics. But I've also found that in when, I, when I've been learning a topic, I've often learned it the best when I have been able to find my own way to do it other than just what the teacher thinks. Like, the teacher will often give us the most basic way to do something. And I have, me and my friends have often been able to found, find um, better ways to do it and not help our learning. All right, well, I'm going to throw one right back at you then. All right, but you're doing something that they've told you to do, right? Yes. Right? So they've given you a task that you've done that then allowed you to develop your own way of doing it. Correct. I think that's influence. Yeah. Right? So they've said, hey, do this thing, you, and going about doing it, you've created your own methodology for getting it done. Mm-hmm. Influence. Yeah. There you go. That's teaching. Right. Huh? You appreciate yeah. your teachers a little bit more? Yeah. Awesome. Very good. See, we're winning. We're winning all the time here. So we want to facilitate basically a productive relationship between students and mathematics. So in order to create doers of mathematics, that's what we want to do, facilitate that productive relationship. And so... When you talk about positive disposition, being proficient in the language, or proficient in mathematics, that's pretty good. So, Craig Rochelle talks about these four pitfalls, and so I'm going to go through those pitfalls and talk about how he talks about it with leadership. I'm going to talk about it with mathematics. Noah is a student, an active student right now, so he's going to see what maybe he hasn't thought about these different pitfalls and maybe how he's seen them or maybe how they've been, um, you know, covered up or not not or how he hasn't seen them i don't know if you, i don't know if you can't see them can you not see a well we can't see holes all around us because there's no holes i don't know what we would say they're filled in holes you can't really see, okay whatever we're gonna see what we come up with here when we go through this conversation so just like with any of the podcasts we're gonna go through the categories we have the high five we're gonna do the now you know. So what do you do with twenty twenty hindsight? So a high five again is all about the learnings. So I've got four learnings here. Maybe there's one more that Noah can add in. So we have the now you know. That's with twenty twenty hindsight. You make the call. 
That's where we have a scenario. Noah might supply us with a scenario. We're going to see if that happens. And then we're going to sum up for a seven-year-old or for your little brother, Jackson. Okay. And see if... I don't know if he listens to this, but I don't <laughs> think he listens to this. Do you think he listens? I doubt it. I doubt it, too. So, but you know what? We'll keep it there just in case he ever gets interested. So, the first pitfall is controlling, Noah. I know at times I can be a controlling father, especially when I talk about loading the dishwasher, but we're talking about con- creating con- compliant doers of mathematics, okay? So this pitfalls where students are not given freedom to consider their own methods for solving a math problem, okay? So I think you've recently done uh, systems of equations, right? Um, or no, you did them. That was a while back. A while back. Uh, so f- just for the audience, solving a system of equations, you have, there's a bunch of methods you could use, Yes. right? Uh, so for those of you, just a little refresher, system of equations would be two lines and I'm finding where they intersect. So like Y equal, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, Noah's shaking me off, right? Yeah. Okay. I just forgot what it was for a okay. second. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, uh, can you tell the audience what, uh, we say that your, uh, motto is? Get ready to be wrong. <laughs> That's right. Get ready to be wrong. So this is this is great. This, this is getting shown for, for uh, all the people out there to hear. Anyway, so we have a system of equations, right? So two lines finding where they cross. There's a number of ways we can do it to mm-hmm. find where they cross. Yeah. We could graph them, mm-hmm. right? And on a graphing calculator, you can easily select two lines, find where they cross. Or just if they're very simple graphs, you could see on a piece of graph paper where they cross. Yes. Graphing. You could do substitution, so mm-hmm. you could find out what one variable, so you have two variables, an X and a Y. You can basically make what one variable equals, substitute it in for the other one, solve for that one variable, and then plug that in, and you can find out where the intersection point yes. is. What else? We can do elimination. Yes. That's yeah. where you add and subtract the um, add and subtract the equations. Mm-hmm. You can also use matrices. Did you know you could use matrices? I did not know you could use matrices. Use matrices. And there's also something called a combination chart that I found out in math and context. It only works for certain situations, yeah. but a combination chart is kind of amazing as well. So comply- So being controlling would say, hey, Noah, I'm going to give you these systems of equations. Only use this method, right? Only use graphing. And let me tell you, there's a situation where I would have people solve, and like I, I, I would see kids that would graph or would graph them on a graphing calculator, but then they wouldn't go look in the graph. You know what they went and looked at? The um, the chart. where The table. Yeah, table. yeah, the table. So they find out where for one Y, mm-hmm. it ha- this, or one X, it has puts out the same Ys. And if I would have been controlling, they wouldn't have shown me that method. Like, I would have not even mm-hmm. thought to use a table because I've never used tables. Actually, never used graphs either. We would just do you work with the symbols. And I'm sure... Most of the people listening who went to school a while ago, you probably didn't use a lot of graphs. You probably used a lot of um, uh, elimination and substitution. So controlling. You think about that from your perspective. How do you feel about controlling? Um, Well, from my experience, I can see a lot of students, um, fellow students, who have obviously, like, been around more controlling teachers just like in their mindset while doing math they just have this one mode and so then when we're learning a different type it's like just blows their minds almost mm-hmm. because they never thought to venture out of this one way 
and you know what, Noah? We see that sometimes with uh, when there's different ways of doing multiplication because mm-hmm. you could use an area model and you could stack up the two numbers and yep. multiply using standard algorithm. Much different ways. So when we introduce those other ways of multiplication or subtraction or addition or whatever, people get a little upset about that. Yeah. Do you know that? No. Yeah. So, I mean, because some of us came from a very controlling background where there's a way to do it and this is the way to do it. Yeah. Okay. And so when we create compliant doers of mathematics, we're actually shutting down thinking. And there's an article I, I mentioned um, before. It's never say anything a kid can say. Okay. Okay. So when I'm going to say, hey, how do you, you know, here's a system of equations. How can we find where these two lines cross? If I then go and start giving the solution versus allowing the students to say, hey, how did they find it out? And maybe there's more ways to do it than I even thought mm-hmm. about, right? Or uh, I was just doing a thing yesterday when we were talking about different solutions. And actually, I was talking about a solution that your class came up with a while ago about comparing different um, multiplication problems. Mm-hmm. And you don't even remember this because it was in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when I came in in fourth grade? We did yes. that. Yeah. So there's a way that one of you did a, a problem. I can't remember what it is right now. That was like, whoa, it was the first time I'd ever seen it. And like if I would have been controlling, it would have totally shut down your thinking. Like kids would not have came up with these amazing things. But like by opening it up, by, again, not saying anything a kid can say, there's probably going to be more that can be said, Right. So if I think I need to say this, like, no, this kid's just done that. I'm going to call on him. He's going to call. He's going to present his thinking. And now kids are the ones that are presenting how to solve the problems or how to, even though it's the kind, the, the solution I want presented. Well, but if a kid does it, I'm like, well, I got, I'm a kid. I, I've got another way to solve it. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of, uh, that sort of freedom is out there for people to yes. see. Did you experience that? Um. Yeah, especially in, like, the lower um, high school math, like, geometry and algebra 1. I've seen that more than I've seen it in, like, algebra 2, just because algebra 1 and geometry, they're much more loose and, like, formulative. And so there's, and with those formulas, there's different ways that you could solve it. Cool. Awesome. So, and also I have a friend, Mandy Jansen. She's at the University of Delaware. She has taken this idea of rough drafts, you know, like rough okay. drafts for papers. Yes. And she's thought about, like, how do you take that idea of rough draft thinking and bring it into the math classroom? So it's like, here's a solution. I don't know if I'm done with it yet. And mm-hmm. I just want some feedback on how I'm doing so far. So, like, to purposely cut off your thinking at a certain point and get some feedback on it. What do you think about that? I personally think there actually might be a problem with that because um, with this different sorts of thinking, people will get many different middle solutions. And so I don't, I don't quite see that working in my classroom. But what about, well, that's okay. So what about, but, but what about just, just if we came up with this common understanding that, you know what, we're, we're in, we're in half baked mode. We just want to look at each other and say, you know what, I might not know where this is going, but the logic up until now seems good. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely have to look at the how they got there. Yeah. But, yeah. Because then it takes away from you're focusing on process r- mm-hmm. rather than on, oh, did did the did you have the end, yeah. right? 
And then, oh, yeah, you got a different way to get there, but we all got to the same place in the end, but maybe we don't even know where we're going yet. And mm-hmm. just to see, does the logic so far make sense? Yes. Okay. So, um, that guess what, though? Mandy's got this uh, book about that coming out uh, in the spring, okay. and she might come on the podcast. Oh. But keep that. We'll just put that out there just to, to remind her about it. So, second pitfall, criticizing. Okay? Criticizing. This pitfall is where students may be given freedom to consider their own methods for solving a math problem, but each method is quickly identified for how it falls short in efficiency, accuracy, elegance, or just is not the preferred method uh, of the person providing assistance. I've seen that a lot. Um, in, for example, like when solving for like a parabola, for example, when you're solving a quadratic in order to find the zeros of the equation, there's like three ways that you can do it. There's completing the square, um, factoring. <laughs> good poll. Um, what's the last one? Wait, well, I know there's another one. I, I didn't, I was told there would be no math what? on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I believe it's elimination. Okay. Um, but anyway, wow, we're going to get a lot of comments. Oh, we are. Funny, this is great. Get no, ready, the quadratic get, formula. Get ready to be wrong. <laughs> Not the elimination, <laughs> the quadratic formula. Um, but anyway, so there's those three methods, and throughout different math teachers I've had, each one seems to have preferred one that we use. Like, yeah. I've had teachers who are like, you know what, we're going to teach these because we, we're required to, but... Quadratic formula, every time. Just use it, because it's the easiest way to do it. Well, you remember what I call the quadratic formula? What? You don't remember? I don't remember. The chainsaw. Why? Because it'll work. It works every time. It works every time. Every single time. Even if you need to cut a piece of paper, bring out that chainsaw, it's going to cut the heck out of it, right? Yes. Uh, And, yeah, sometimes you have got a wooden door you need to cut through, chainsaw. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you can use the scissors. And that's where... When you're looking at it in this situation, you can look at a quadratic formula, and sometimes it's like, ooh, I just need to take the square root of both sides. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, that or, could be the simplest Or thing. it's very simple just, like, to factor it. Or it's already in, or it's already a perfect square, and you have the factors right there. Right. And so, in those cases, so, like, we're criticizing because, hey, just use a quadratic formula, just use a quadratic Again, we're shutting down thinking. Yes. And, again, this goes for anything. So, and, and Noah, I... I confession time I know I've been critical as a parent at times but trying to create some freedom because I know sometimes you create some things it's like oh wow that's interesting and and we'll give one example is uh, our science fair situations (laughs) where Noah loves doing the science fair and sometimes I might be overly critical of what he chooses to do for the science fair but one year I'm like you know what total hands off and he created where, where how far did you go up on that science fair state you went to state. You went to state. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to control anything. We'll see how far you get, buddy. And he went all the way to state with the science fair project. So, uh, or I'm sorry, criticizing. I was, I was not going to criticize anymore. Uh, and he got all the way to state. So I guess it, that, that pitfall, you know, kind of got through there. Uh, one thing uh, that I recommend to counteract this pitfall, especially in the math classroom, and again, we're this podcast is supposed to be focused on teaching in general, and I think all these principles can be focused on any kind of teaching. So I'm going to focus in on math because that's my expertise. But 
if we can avoid the pitfall of criticizing, we can get a lot further with a lot of our teaching, whatever it is, parenting, uh, jujitsu, um, you know, what else could we do? Orchestra, acting, anything that we do, anything, anything you're trying to develop a relationship with content. So anyway, uh, two books I recommend are on complex instruction. Now complex and restruction can be used in anything, but specifically when we think about it with mathematics, there's a couple books I, I recommend. One's called Strength in Numbers. The other one's called, uh, and that's by Lana Horn, and one of the ones called Smarter Together, uh, Collaboration uh, and Equity in the math, Elementary Math Classroom. Those are great books, and they're, they've got stuff that's ready to go for use in the math classroom. And what complex instruction will do is create an asset-based perspective uh, of kids. Uh, and so like you want to basically point out things that they're doing that are... I don't know, that are being productive in the classroom, that are that are helping kids do mathematics, right? And so we want to be public, academic, and specific about that feedback. Not just, hey, Noah, good job. You did good on that. Like, well, how did they, he do good? Noah, you asked a great question that allowed us to think deeper about where how good this solution was to the problem, yeah. right? So that's public, specific, and academic. And so that's a core principle of complex instruction. And again, those two books... Smarter Together and Strength in Numbers both get at that idea of complex instruction and, and that sort of thinking in the classroom. All right, another one, another pitfall. Avoiding, okay, avoiding. So creates disengaged doers of mathematics. So, so far we've hit in controlling, creates compliant doers of mathematics. Criticizing creates insecure doers of mathematics. Now we're in avoiding, creates disengaged doers of mathematics. So you're given freedom to explore your own methods, but you're not given any feedback. So if you're not given any feedback, okay, yeah. I say, hey, go do this thing. And you're like, hey, I'm doing it. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. What do you think? Um, well, if something's not graded, okay. or, or something's so, not gotten any comments yeah. on it. Well, yeah, definitely, I mean, this might be an obvious problem with that is when you're a teacher avoiding is someone could just be completely doing it wrong yeah and you have no idea where they are uh-huh. um and they might just get in this mindset that this is the way to do it like for example um uh squaring a binomial where they might be squaring each individual thing inside of the binomial instead of multiplying the binomial by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just one example of how avoiding would be not good. I, I have an example from your first mistake ever in mathematics. Oh. Yeah. Are you ready me. for this? No, it might not be your first mistake. So it's from first grade, first mistake here in Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and I wrote about it. <laughs> so... Uh, you probably have. I've used this example many times. You oh. probably have, don't even know oh, that's this. Nice. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's great. You're, you're, a lot of my students have heard about you. So, <laughs> paper came home, and usually they're like, "Oh, they're perfect." And I'm kind of, you're a perfect little child, no? I know, yeah. But then we have an assignment, and then assignment came home and had one red mark on it. You know what it was for? What? The number of sides on a rectangle. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Marked wrong. And it was wrong. You wrote six. What? Yeah, you wrote six. So, 
your mom and I, given that you were our firstborn and this was our first student in, uh, in school, we thought, oh my gosh, what's going on? How bad parents are we? Oh my goodness. What's up with that preschool that we have spent money on? But then I asked you about it, right? And I was trying to provide some feedback. You know, like I could have just said, hey, the answer's four. But I wanted to know where that thinking came from. And I'm like, hey, Noah, you put six for this rectangle. And you're like, yeah, six. <laughs> I'm like, how, how did you get six? He's like, well, I counted. What do you mean you counted? Like, yeah, there were tiles on the table. One of them was a rectangle. I picked it up and I counted. What do you think you counted? I counted all of the sides through the 3D figure. Not the sides, the... Faces. Faces. Yep, you yeah, you count the faces. Well, get ready to be wrong, buddy. All right, the faces rather yes. than the sides. So you took a three-dimensional shape mm-hmm. and counted that in rather than the number of two-dimensional shapes. So, I mean, this could have, you know, went way further, and we avoided it, and we're like, okay, well, we just figure it out. But really, we're we looking at there's some right, there's some correctness there, and by providing the feedback, we we kind of we don't avoid avoiding it, right? Yes. We we engage engage and seeing like wade into it and and also going back to the principle from before I'm going to wade into it with you know what you are my son and I know that I know that you know how many sides on a rectangle like by using that perspective and wading into it and trying to figure out well why did he put this because there's something correct there I'm just trying to figure out where it is or he thinks a rectangle is a hexagon and we got big problems <laughs> right but no going in from the perspective like you did it something right here and I just got to figure out where it is and how can I angle you back okay there's just a difference between two dimensions and three dimensions and so this is not of of by now think about what happens if I if I avoid and say hey you know your teacher will get that figured out I'm just gonna make I'll check in later and see if you've got it right versus we had a great conversation about shapes obviously you don't remember it but I do (laughs) but but we're able to have an engaging, and you know that I'm invested in your math learning. You know I'm invested, in, and I'm trying to see what's right in your mistake, and and it was right, it was right. It just was a difference in terminology, or even like what shape you're actually talking about. And so now, again, I think you're a more engaged doer of mathematics because of that. I'm going to go with that that you are a more engaged doer of mathematics because of that. That's probably a landmark in your learning. You just don't remember. <laughs> anyway, so that's the third pitfall the fourth rescuing okay Okay. creates helpless doers of mathematics yes the slight and this kind of goes back to my initial story where students are given freedom to consider their own methods for solving math problems but are given help at the smallest indication of struggle so you just uh, i don't know what's what steps next and like they just raise their hand and the teacher's right there and i'll see this so like i i teach teachers and you know that but, like, we'll see lesson planning and, like, if what, what happens when students struggle? How are you incorporating that in your lesson plan? What are they going to do when they're struggling? And sometimes the initial teacher is just going to say, well, I'll go and answer their question. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you're rescuing all the time. You're going to create helpless people that are only going to look to you for the answer and that the teacher is the ultimate source of knowledge, right? And so that is something we need to avoid. And something I've personally seen just as a student, um, a good way to avoid that is just a style of teaching one of my teachers has used is he doesn't really answer questions on that topic in class. He might answer a couple, 
but it'll be like teaching and we do our homework and we have multiple attempts at our homework and so we can see what we got right and wrong and the next day we bring in our homework and we can ask questions on it. So he gives us this time for us to struggle and for us to grow and maybe figure out our own methods as well. Mm-hmm. And then we can come back in and if there's still something we don't quite get, we can ask him, hey, like, what do we need to do? And so you're getting right at this thing yes. of we want to promote struggle that's saying, hey, struggle is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And you can think about with that anything. You know, struggling, when you struggle and get, persevere through something, you develop a resiliency, you develop agency. You think, like, I can do this despite this little bump in the road. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that we want to promote that. And, and you know, you were at that presentation and you're in, you're on the blog somewhere in the picture in there celebrate the struggle tea mm-hmm. and so you saw that the that we're going to celebrate the struggle that we want to promote that that we want to foster kids that do have this idea of what they're calling productive struggle and where you're getting somewhere you know that it's, it's not just struggle um you know it's going to be struggling forever but that you know what i'm going to figure this out i'm going to get to it um i think you do a pretty good job of that yeah i mean what, do you have an example of when you've struggled and persevered? Um, well, just recently. Um, so the way our homework is set up is we get to go in. It's like an online browser where we go in, can solve, solve all the problems, and at the end we get a score, and then we can view it and then retake it as many times as we want. Um, and so like a couple weeks ago, I did it all. I was feeling really good. I got a 50 at the end. And Whoa. so, yeah, I was really confused. And so I looked back, and then I realized we were solving polynomials. And I realized on the, on half those questions, I had written, like, a positive or negative sign wrong. Wow. And that threw me all off. And so a lot of people would probably, like, if you are not, if you're used to being rescued, they'd be like, Whoa, I got a 50. I need to just, like... I just need to shut ask them. down. Yeah, shut yeah. down. Ask some questions later. But when you're able to persevere, look at it and be like, "Oh, it's I just did this one mistake, and I know what's right and how to fix it." Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and this isn't to say that you can't ever provide assistance. Yeah. But to do it strategically, like I mean, I notice like if I see a kid that you know when I was teaching high school math see a kid that's almost on tears and then to have this like blanket rule like oh, I'm not going to answer any questions like that's probably not the big best thing to do yeah. like I'm not developing a productive relationship with mathematics there still is that disposition about wanting to like mathematics as well and so um, providing that giving students permission to struggle and, and actually valuing struggle and recognizing it and that could be something that we be specific public and academic about recognizing like wow you really did chug through this problem and you got this answer and yeah it might not be completely correct but I can see all the steps are there and you know just acknowledging that and that that's a good thing um, and not being fearful of failure yes not being fearful of failure and another thing that I've um, just recently seen is um, I really like this math teacher I have right now but what he does is he he um, has us write down show all of our work on this piece of paper he asks us to number it so we can see what problems. And then if, like, you got a grade that you normally probably would not get, and he'll he'll see that and, like, come over and show you exactly what you did wrong. 
like after the test and so you you can see like you actually got tested on what you know and then he's able to like help you he's like you just made this little problem mistake and yeah well so that that too is going like I'm not rescuing you but I'm going to show you exactly. and help you see like okay next time mm-hmm. yeah, actually in a fairly like high stakes situation I'm going to show you so, so for next time that you're not going to make this same mistake correct awesome so again, to review, we have controlling, that's a pitfall, creates comp- compliant doers of mathematics, criticizing, creates insecure doers of mathematics, avoiding, creates disengaged doers of mathematics, and rescuing, creates helpless doers of mathematics. Mm-hmm. All right, so we, that's the high five, except there's only four. Do you have anything else that's a pitfall in creating doers of mathematics? Just um, this is totally on the spot, so sorry. Maybe just making it too complicated. Okay. Just making your less making lessons that are too complicated where they'll just lose people. Complicating. So, yes. Given that oh, these are all ing things, complicating. What would complicating do? Um, well. Creating mystified doers of mathematics. <laughs> I guess yeah. You know, that, that's yeah. not actually not bad because, you know what, some people think that math is like a gene, right, mm-hmm. that's genetic, and that and maybe some people are listening to this, they think the only reason that you know how to do math well is because you're my son. You don't tell me anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, seeing how, like, that we can all be learners of mathematics and that yeah. it's not this complicated thing. Um, you know, and I don't know if you know this, like, my dad told me that, he was really good at math till calculus. Did I ever tell you that? No. So he said he was really good at math till calculus, and then the calculus hit, and it just all fell apart. So guess what I did? What? I was scared to death of calculus. Calculus. So I was pretty good at math, until, and then like once calculus hit, I'm like, well, that was a nice run. <laughs> it's gonna be all over now. And actually, it it worked out. It worked out okay. Okay. I, I took more more math. Okay. So there we go. Good. That's a high five. Mm-hmm. Complicating. Yeah. Complicating creates whatever mystified well mystified and also too we, we've got a paper coming out on this Noah where yeah. it's about the paradox of math where people will not people will avoid not I, people will always say, don't want to say they're not readers but they'll mm-hmm. say they're not math people yes right and so I think complicating is going to create that wedge where math is something done by others mm-hmm. so I agree that, I, I like that wait on the spot Noah you're, you're doing well alright so now you know so, given you know this, Noah, this is good for you to th- think about and good for me. How might this change your perspective in learning mathematics? I'll let you think about that for a second, and I'll answer my part first. What should this change about me? Now, I teach teachers how to teach math, you know, and maybe I need to be explicit about these pitfalls because mm-hmm. they're pretty. I mean, I don't know. They're they're kind of nice compartments, and like. Am I being? Are you being controlling? How are you going to avoid from over criticizing? How are you going to make sure you're giving feedback or not avoiding? How are you going to make sure you're not rescuing? Because you know, a lot of times, like I could see, like you know what, I don't want my students to struggle, so I'm going to rescue them at the slightest, at the slightest, uh, you know, their slightest issues that they have in doing what I'm asking them to do, because I hate seeing them struggle or, you know, not giving them feedback and where I'm just. I'm grading the test, I'm putting a number on it or I'm putting a letter on it, giving it back, and it's not really feedback to help them get better. It's just a score, Mm -hmm. right? So maybe it is taking these categories and being more explicit about them 
when I'm teaching teachers, yes. right? So how do you avoid being, are you being controlling, criticizing, avoiding, or rescuing? Um, what about you? Or complicating, sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, I can, sorry, can you say the question again? I kind of just. Okay, so what is, so for me, it would be like, almost knocked over the microphone there. So for me, I think about, the now you know is, what do you do with twenty twenty hindsight? So now that we've listed all these out. Okay. How do you think about your learning of mathematics? Um, well, I can definitely now see, like, the parts of my math career where I have struggled, it has definitely been related to these five. Um, yeah, I could probably put, like, most of my struggles in math into these five. And then it, it also, just, like, looking at these um, learnings, I can see how in like my classmates how they've been affected by these like nowadays um in my algebra 2 class I can see like look around and just tell by because we have a bunch of different Mm -hmm. people who are like different levels even in that class yeah yeah um like who's been rescued a lot yes definitely or who's not been given or who's been over controlled Mm -hmm. right you can see those um and yeah people like ask me for help and now, like, looking back and thinking through this, I can kind of realize what type of teachers they must have had, um, just, like, based on, like, the w- stuff they ask me, and, yeah. Because I think, you know, and obviously what helped me become, a, I think, a better appreciator of mathematics, yeah, I'll, I'll take that, yeah. um, it's, it has been teaching it. Yeah. Because I get to see how other people think, and it opens up my own creativity, and so I think the many as much time as possible can be opened up for kids to talk with kids about mathematics, and not to have any of these pitfalls around. I think it's probably beneficial, especially, especially in the younger ages, because that's where you can really open up. and And like I remember, you know, I had a my first class that I taught at Sacre High School. You know, a kid did something that I'd never seen before with tables. And it was like, okay, I can be I can become the student in this situation, and they can become the teacher, mm-hmm. and that's pretty powerful, to to do that. So, all right, good. That's that's good. Now you know. We've got a little twenty twenty hindsight. All right, you make the call. Do you have a scenario? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I got a scenario. Okay, so let's see. How would you respond given these... Well, we can go to my initial scenario. Okay? So, I have a math problem, an investigation, right? Where there's a small detail that if they don't notice it, they're going to have big problems with this problem. Okay? The problem will have problems. And especially if they're not paying attention to that small detail. And so rather than... So when I originally went went out and pointed out the detail, okay... So now, how do you take these, how do we take these learnings, or these pitfalls, so, so I guess I was, I was rescuing before I was even rescuing, right? Yeah. I mean, before they even had an issue. Yeah. I was rescuing, and kind of controlling. Oh, yes. Because I think, what if, I mean, what if like half the class, half the class had the issue, and the other class didn't? Mm Mm-hmm. And then, well, then what? Then we're going to compare answers and like, oh, we noticed this. Oh, we didn't notice that. And now now we're going into that don't say anything a kid can say, right? 
Now the kids are saying, hey, you need to pay attention to this detail. Yeah. There we go. Right? So allow that and just hoping that one of the groups and trusting, and there's, there's something in teaching about trusting, trusting that one of the groups is going to figure it out. If they yeah. don't, sure, then, we'll, then we're going to have to waste some time. But if one of them does figure it out, now we're going to have an opportunity for kids to teach kids. And, and this is what I've been talking to my students lately is like student-to-student interaction where students are showing expertise to other students. And like, and I know you and your class, you do help people, and I've, I've heard that from people, so thank you. Um, that's really powerful because it's showing that not all the knowledge has to come from a teacher, right? It doesn't have to come up on high. Mm-hmm. Right, that it can come from each other, it can come from like more of a horizontal direction. So, yeah, I would do that, and then it allows their expertise to be seen. Then we're we're also allowing them to they're giving each other feedback, so we're not avoiding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's good. And yeah. they're given permission to struggle. You're going to struggle a little bit. Pay attention, and you don't you don't even know this, but do you know what one of the Standards for do you know the standards for mathematical practice? Do you know what they are? No. One of them is uh, about precision. Shoot, I'm forgetting the exact wording, but it's attending to precision or being precise, basically. And so, looking at the wordings of something, I would want to pay attention to that detail. Guess who else does? Your English teacher. Your English teacher wants you to pay attention to details, yes. right? Especially in reading, mm-hmm. and that's what that was too. So we're cross-cutting in different standards, buddy. So not only would you be hitting in math class because it affects the math problem, but you're also hitting it in English language arts and reading comprehension. Look at, yep. look at that. Look at that. We're really getting in here. All right, so that was you make the call. We're responding to a scenario. All right, sum up for a seven-year-old. So we have our, or my son, your brother, mm-hmm. Jack. He's seven. So what would we say to him about this content? Um... Well, I would just make sure to know, like, that there are the, there's, there's these different issues that can happen in a classroom that can severely throw off a student. Um, in, when, in their growing of their... He's seven. Career. Oh. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> you just said a paragraph. No, you want me to try? Yes. And then you can tell me if it's right. wrong. Okay. What I'd say is, hey, Jack, buddy, listen up. Sometimes you got to have freedom to do things in your classroom, okay? When you're doing your mathematics, once you do some things, there's not always going to be someone there to hold your hand, okay? There's not always going to be someone there to tell you what to do, all right? And hopefully you're given the freedom to do what you need to do to solve a problem, right? And by solving problems... You and struggling a little bit, you're going to be a better problem solver in the future. Pretty good. You think so? Yeah. And that sometimes your teacher won't answer your questions. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. Yeah. All these are kind of a balanced thing, though, too. You know? So you want, yeah. like, the avoiding thing. The avo- like, how are these parallels? So maybe avoiding and rescuing are kind of. Yeah. And criticizing kind of goes with controlling. And then the whole thing is kind of undercomplicating. Yes. So we want you to be a doer of mathematics, Jack. And that involves doing math. How about that? Perfect. There you go. <laughs> See, it's just, it's, it's workshop time. All right. Is that good? Yep. 
All right, Noah, so thank you for joining me on this episode, which is episode 13 of the Amazon Planet podcast. There will be show notes for this episode uh, at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 13. Uh, and you know what? You can support the podcast in a couple of different ways. Did you know that, Noah? I did not know that. Okay, you can subscribe to the podcast. Okay, and you could follow it in iTunes, but you can also do it on Overcast, Stitcher, Google Play, any of those outlets. You can share the podcast. Okay, so like if you know, maybe you share this with your math. Who's your math teacher that you really like right now? Uh, Mr. Freeman. Mr. Freeman at Oxford High School. Yeah. Fantastic. So maybe you want to share it with him. Okay, maybe you won't. You can rate or review the podcast. You rated the podcast, didn't you? I think you're Comp Nerd 101. Oh, yeah, right? I did. Yeah, you gave it a four. Thanks, oh, buddy. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fine. It's honesty. I uh, always get you on. That was one of the first ones. It, it was not perfect, yeah. so maybe it didn't deserve a five, but maybe you can go in and re- revise that. Anyway, you can review it through iTunes, and I actually just got feedback from somebody that does podcasts, and they said, hey, your reviews are good. So thank you for doing that. If you've already done that, if you haven't, please go on iTunes and rate it or review it. That'd be awesome. You can like the Amazon Planet Facebook page, so go to Facebook. You type a little... Um, uh, it, well, just and like it. Just hit the little thumbs up thing. Uh, and there, there'll be a post on about this podcast and other podcasts. And if you want to ask questions or whatnot, what's that? Hmm? And Instagram. Oh, and Instagram. Yep. Yeah. You you can like uh, my me on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at Amazon Planet as well. Yes. You can subscribe to the Amazon Planet fa- email list, right? So you can do that on the Facebook page. You can also do it on AmazonPlanet.com. There's one of the buttons is for subscribing. You can also purchase a shirt through the Amazon Planet store. You have a shirt. I have a sweatshirt. You have a sweatshirt. Comfy, right? Ooh, so comfy. Yeah, yeah. Very good. And I have a t-shirt. They look good. And some of you are out there and you're posting them on your pictures and your Be the Good shirts on Amazon Planet at Facebook, uh, on my Facebook page or on um, on, uh, the Instagram Instagram as well. Man, up up really hip with the uh, social media. So if you want a shirt, you can go to the Amazon Planet store. You can find links to that at Amazon Planet, uh, the AmazonPlanet.com. There's a link in the header. There's also a link in the footer, and there'll be a link in the show notes as well. And I think the link in my bio and Instagram is also for the store. So yes. if you're looking to get one for Christmas, you probably have to act, act quickly. Finally, I also have a Patreon account, which allows folks to support the podcast by the episode, which just encouraged me to put out more content. Also, if you just want to engage with me further, you can find me in the interwebs on Instagram, like Noah said, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all on the handle at Amazon Planet. So thank you again for taking the time to listen to episode 13 of the Amazon Planet podcast. Thanks to Noah Amadon for taking the time to share his time and expertise as a student. Appreciate it, Noah. Thanks to Matt Mifflin for sharing some of his music in this episode. And finally, thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you have been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace. Say anything about yourself? I don't like to talk about myself. Okay. All right. Very good.